I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. And I'm your guest host, John H. Shaw. Yeah. It's great to have you. Oh, sorry. I was reading everything. <laughs> no, no, it's good. It is right. December 6th, and he is, in fact, the guest host. That's right. We're no, there's no impersonations going on. John Shaw in the, his house. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for joining me today for this very fantastic show we have, December 6th again. Uh, let me run down the show notes and we can sort of just banter back and forth and go about the show proper. We're doing a little I Dream of Jesse at the top of this show, episode 32, What You Value. Now, I know for those of you who are used to hearing Jesse's dulcet tones on the first week of the month, you're just going to have to make do with John's. I know it's going to be a little bit harder to to flick your bean to John's <laughs> voice than it was to Jesse's, but... <laughs> Still pretty good, right? It's still, yeah. it's all right. You got a smooth tonal voice. It's nice. Hell yeah. Um, we're going to do a little bit of something different with Heather Height and then uh, jump over to Infernal Informant. This article is going to be Trump on fighting terrorism. What's too far? And then we're going to end it with a short but sweet Between the Horns. And this is episode 10, Say Your Prayers, 23 Psalm. It's a really, really good one. Uh, but that's going to be the show proper. Let's do a little pre-show here. John, how's your weekend going? Pretty good. I'm uh, half naked before before I got on here, watching some stupid girly me- movies and uh, drinking some wine, getting in you touch know, with my uh, feminine side. <laughs> if Crying I'm looking at your Skype picture, you're still half naked. <laughs> like which Skype picture? Oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like totally uh, like nipples blazing. Is it cold? I tried, you could cut I diamonds. I could check right. It's cold right now. <laughs> Uh, no, okay, so the Devil's Grain Gallery was this past weekend. Uh, no chance on going to Florida for you? I We wanted to. We were thinking of, like, surprising uh, people that were asking us to go, you know, take a road trip out there and probably right. cost about 40 bucks in gas, you know, right, right over there. And, but uh, we just didn't. Just busy. Busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Too busy watching girly shows, getting in touch with your feminine side? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> I'm all man, baby. No, I, I couldn't make it either. I, I wanted to. Here's the thing, though. I had a really good time in D.C., but yeah. getting together with other Satanists is sort of a catch-22. Like, too much exposure? Oh, you might just burn out the goodwill that you built up in the years yeah. previous. So <laughs> maybe it's good to piece it out rarely yeah <laughs> you know, it's just, one of those things you know you 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 meet some of the people that you uh you know have conversed with online and things like that and you and you you have a great time you meet some really cool people and then uh and then uh, there's a couple that uh you know they'll fit in that category so yeah but that right yeah and it, it's so. i don't know you tell me if you're the same the same way it's like the people that i think are good Sometimes I find out aren't so good or maybe it's not them at all. It's me like I'm the fucking bad seed. And so the more exposure I have to other people, the more I like sort of see this weird reflection of disgustingness. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should just become a hermit. Like my (laughs) my interactions must always be brief or else it soils the, the friendship or the building friendship that they get. Are you anything like that? It just depends. I'm thinking about you in your case. If it's you, I know it's definitely all you. It's always all you. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But it's uh, it's you get uh, you get you know twelve o'clock in a room together. You get you know or six o'clock in a room together, and, and they they're gonna bang heads. They're gonna clash with the uh, the whole uh, you know perspectives on things or their personalities and things. So yeah. you know it is what it is. If you can, uh, the, the, the trick is to recognize it as such and be able to be an adult and be mature about it and move on uh, rather than having some sort of, uh, you know, 
scene or, or, or words with somebody that you really don't care for. Um, yeah. But it's like that in any situation, really, and anywhere you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, the night that the Devil's Reign was going, I actually went and had dinner with uh, some local, a local friend, Satanist Cameron, who helped host the show a couple times with me for the Star Wars specials. Uh, really great guy, yeah, him and his yeah. lovely wife, and uh, had some beers and had some uh, Mediterranean food. It was a, it was a good time. It's always nice catching up with uh, the people that you do consider friends and stuff but again it, it's rare for me like i i don't go out much i don't really like going out all that much and when mm-hmm. i do it's really got to be with someone that i know i'm going to connect with or else it's going to be like a wasted night you know yeah yeah it's, it's the worst um i did want to make a quick note here for those uh who have sent in uh content submissions um suggestions stuff like that i'm completely open but it's got to be of of quality so let me I don't know, let me let me unravel this a little bit. Um, I am open to any listener uh, contribution. Just make sure that it's of high enough quality to air, and you can use my regular show as a litmus test. It's not that great. <laughs> it's okay, moderate at best. But if it doesn't even meet that standard, then I'm not going to air any type of contribution. So uh, again, I'm completely open to what you guys want to hear, what you guys want to do. Just make sure it's relevant. Make sure it's uh, on par quality, and uh, we can, you know, we can collaborate or we can do anything you want. Um, you know, I, I've uh, been uh, connecting with the Devil You Know podcast a little bit. Um, What's that? No. A little fucked up. You're airing some shit that I don't appreciate, but you know, you know, whatever. We can get past that. <laughs> well, we talked about it. I, I think we're going to uh, get to the bottom of it together. What you know? What do you think? I yeah, think yeah. I think we have to at this point. I mean, there's too much dirty laundry out there. <laughs> so, <laughs> to be quite honest. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe maybe a lot of this has to do with me drinking a little too late into the evening. Maybe that's <laughs> what. That's the, the source of all of this problem. Yeah, start uh, earlier. <laughs> or just stop sooner. Maybe that's the... There's got to be a cutoff, not just continually going and staying awake. Um, no, but, you know, I was... I got to be honest. I was a little upset last time we spoke, and I was a little bothered that you ended up airing those tapes. I don't think you had any right to, but I understand it's your show, and uh, you're going to be hearing from my lawyer, so... Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) We'll settle it in court. (laughs) Oh, that's rich. (laughs) Um, Okay, so for those of you who tune in the show regularly, you know that there's uh, a number of episodes throughout the year that Nine Cents does a sort of uh, special on. So we always do Valpurgis Knock. There's something special. Halloween is something special. And the holiday episode, the horrific holiday episode, as I referred to it, is another special that we always do, uh, usually featuring comedic skits, or moderately <laughs> attempting comedic skits, uh, little musical numbers, you know, just a little bit of fun to lighten the mood, sort of uh, play a little satanic harpsichord with the holiday. Uh, That's kind of what we do and we're going to be doing it again so I hope you guys tune in. We've got a lot of really great submissions uh, already. We've got Witch Zafdig doing some fantastic stuff. I've got uh, some the Satanic Player Society. I got them doing some really fantastic stuff. Uh, Some other contributors, regular contributors to Nine Cents are going to be doing some wonderful little skits or songs or or appearances or or rants or you know what have you. It's going to be a really great episode, and I hope you guys tune into it. I hope you enjoy it. It's going to be a good one. Um, Do you plan on what you? I mean. How many episodes do you have now? Like nine, eight, nine episodes into We're working w- on our ninth one. Wow. So wow. <laughs> are you looking forward to, you know, doing like random specials or anything like that in the future? Yeah, I think that since we're so new, um, mm-hmm. there's a not, you know, what I think is not a lot of footage enough to grab highlights and different things. But we got some things planned uh, after a while where we could uh, go back and revisit a couple of little cool things that people have said and kind of present it all in one little episode and things like that. So we got oh, we got cool. some things planned. Hopefully not any more drunken. <laughs> no. <discussions. laughs> uh, it reminds me, I haven't done it now you're drunk. Maybe I'll have to do that. Those, <laughs> that was, the thing is, the first time so I heard that, messages. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> we get so many messages uh, through email or, or on the phone and stuff where some people are like, I, I don't get the drunk thing. And I'm like, you know, well, it's not for you then. Uh, you know, I'm thinking in my head. But then I get so many messages saying, I love that, you know. So yeah. 
it's just one of those things. So we're just going to do what we what we do and uh, mm-hmm. listen if you want to and don't if you don't. I mean, that's I one of those that. things. Yeah, that's I, I get that a lot from listeners where they either comp- they've bought into the narrative of the podcast. And so they're just sort of along for the ride. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But either way, they just accept it for what it is. And then even after as long as I've been doing it, people are like, maybe you should try this. <laughs> like, like I haven't thought of it one or two. It's just like I have a limited amount of time to produce this show. Like I I don't make this is my living. This is a. A, a, a mild hobby of mine. <laughs> it's not like curricular activity. Yeah. This is not, my world does not revolve around. If I really wanted to make a living off of this, first of all, I don't think there's any possible way that any Satanist outside of I Satanist could make a living off of a satanic business. I guess got to be honest. There's, no, there's frankly not enough of us in order yeah. to really do it. I don't right. know how you've done it so far. I think it's fantastic that you have, but I don't, it's not my main thing, but it's yeah. just a thing. <laughs> oh, you're still doing that um, horse dildo business? Yeah, you said you weren't going to talk about that, bro. No, I'll, I'll edit it out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it is, right? Look, that I was mean, an it's... accident, okay? <laughs> you needed a ride. Damn it. <laughs> oh, man. It, it, but there's, just so, there's just not enough of us in order to do stuff like that. And so if you really thing? want... You only like, one. Oh, the one. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> That we weren't talking about that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, I'm amazed that, uh, you know, the, the business that you've built with iSanus, I think that's fantastic. And it really did come up in, in a bit of like a, a, a vacuum of uh, negative experiences, to be quite honest, with, yeah. you know, predecessors in the field. So what you've done is really wonderful. Oh, and I have to mention, now that yeah. you're on the phone and everything, we, uh, I know I, I texted you about it, but we got the poster uh, so am I allowed to talk about that? <laughs> I don't yes, yeah. Okay. Everyone that's in the poster has yeah. has given full permission to be uh, seen in pictures and things like that. So you're all good. Oh, okay, okay. So I I picked up Dorian Gray uh, created a sort of uh, event that? poster. What's that? Who's Dorian? Dorian, <laughs> co-host. Oh, that guy. The <laughs> other half of your heart. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking wine. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he created this really wonderful uh, poster to commemorate the uh, DC Year 50 event the Church of Satan held, and it's a beautiful poster. And I finally got in the mail. I, I honestly I, I didn't really know what to expect. I expected it to be on regular like paper paper, but it's actually uh, this beautiful print, uh, done really high quality. Uh, the craftsmanship is fantastic. So uh, kudos to you, man. Uh, really great piece that that you put out with his art on it. Yeah, I, I um, we we're you know thinking of doing it on paper, but paper wrinkles and and, mm. and and things like that. This is a nice quality thick vinyl that is really hard to crease unless you're you know doing it on purpose. So yeah. it's really good to work with. Well, as soon as the the postman delivered it, I like rolled it out on the floor so I could sort of you know get close up detail and called my wife over. My daughter came over and she had like orange juice in a straw that like splurted all over it and like <laughs> I held my breath like oh my god oh fuck no. <laughs> I was freaking and you out just wiped it right off with no problem wiped it right off <laughs> no problems at that's all that's why it we awesome. chose that medium yeah definitely that was so fucking pleased. did you happen to notice another little thing inside the tube I did I and thank you very away. much for that <laughs> what's that I said thank you very much for that oh oh awesome awesome wait are we talking about the cock ring or are we talking about the pin I uh, for the show, let's talk about the pin. Okay. No, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> I, I really great, like, like detail. I, I, I always, I don't know, because I'm not in the industry, I don't know really fully what to expect. Uh, but you got some really wonderful detail in, in that, in that, uh, sigil of Baphomet pin. I don't know what those are. They called is just like, Pin pins is like a lapel pin, like a lapel pin, yeah. Lapel pin, yeah. Yeah. So, um, really great quality. Thank you very much for that. I'm gonna have to send you out. I don't know, a bag of hair or something. As long as a bag of pubic hair. I'm making a new sweater, so. Puts out the lotion. No, gross. All right, let's let's jump into the show proper. Let's do a little I Dream of Jesse, and then something different on the other side. Let's do it. Jesse, 
What do you want? Well, first, Jesse, I'd, I'd, I'd like you to dress me as master. I, I am your master, after all. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes, master. That's better. Now look, I've got guests coming over tonight, and I want you to entertain them. What, do I look like a belly dancer? Oh, I, I assume that was hard. I mean, the outfit, it, it kind of suggests... You may be used to dance. Listen, the gin put me in the bottle. He forgot to add the preservatives. Now, the outfit may be wrinkle-free, but what in it ain't. You don't like it? Call the number on the bottle and complain. There's this sentiment in the Church of Satan that those seeking titles aren't likely to get them, and that Satanists should focus on their own activities rather than worry about what others in the Church are doing. I agree with all that and thought it might be fun to dig deep into why. What you value shapes your life, and values can be broadly categorized as intrinsic or extrinsic. Intrinsic values feel good, are generally recognized as good, aren't just good for you in one context, but are good for everyone in any context. Justice is an intrinsic value. Lust is another intrinsic value, though one with less overt social approval. Extrinsic values, on the other hand, are either a means to an end, like money, or are reliant on other people, like fame. Titles are extrinsic, because they rely on other people in the church recognizing your accomplishments and giving you the title. There's nothing wrong with money, fame, or a title, but make these your goals and you're actually less likely to achieve them. The actions of extrinsically motivated people tend to be more thoughtless and predictable. If you know the boss rewards friendly customer service and you force a smile on your face when speaking to customers, that's thoughtless and predictable. If fame comes from saying controversial things, then looking for controversy becomes dispassionately thoughtless and predictable. Thoughtless and predictable actions are boring for you and the people around you. I wouldn't want to be counted on to always follow the carrot or flee the stick. The life of an extrinsically motivated individual is also prone to mediocrity. Without a passion for what you do, you're only going to do what's required. Only do what's clearly tied to some tangible outcome. You'll work harder on your job than you will on yourself. People will reward you for following the rules and achieving their ends. No one's going to reward you for developing your own character. By focusing on just the money or the recognition, you won't better yourself, and therefore, eventually, you'll be less worthy of monetary or prestigious rewards than your peers. So ironically, you'll have failed by trying to succeed. So does this mean that if you've been extrinsically motivated by fame, fortune, and maybe a title, that you're doomed to a life of thoughtless, predictable mediocrity? Well, as someone who's coveted fame and fortune myself, I sure hope not. So if you're sitting around your parents' basement feeling underappreciated, here's something you can do. I'm going to ask you to mentally separate yourself into a boss and an employee. See, bosses love intrinsically motivated employees. They do a better job, and they aren't constantly looking for raises and bonuses. Now that's going to make the employee side of you feel like you'd be a schmuck for changing your ways. You'd only be taken advantage of financially. Well, tell the employee side of you you'll reward him later if he shuts up for a minute. It's the boss I want to talk to. Studies have shown that pursuing intrinsic goals increases well-being even if the individual is extrinsically motivated. Think good guy badge. A person pursuing a good guy badge is happier than he would have been just sitting on his hands. And if he collects enough good guy badges, something changes. His motivation goes from extrinsic to intrinsic in stages. A guy might take in a stray puppy to earn a good guy badge with the ladies, but then caring for this puppy, coupled with an innate dislike of cognitive dissonance, causes him to change his view of himself. Now he likes puppies and would feel guilty leaving the puppy out in the street. So he raises the dog to adulthood and perhaps takes in another dog off the street. This becomes more of his identity. So now he'll tell people the benefits of rescuing and raising dogs, as if there were no other sane choice to make. Dogs are great companions, after all, and they'll guard the house while he's away. Eventually, he'll have been caring for dogs so long that he can't imagine doing otherwise. He loves dogs, and he would have less fun without his dogs around. I don't mean to sound anti-satanic, but it is possible to become a good guy accidentally if you start out looking for a good guy badge. Nature is funny that way. 
And that's what the boss part of you needs to know. You don't need to worry about what motivates your inner employee. That slacker who won't get off his ass for anything less than his closest friends make can go right on thinking wealth and recognition are the end-all be-all. Intrinsic goals, values, and motivations feel good. And once we notice something feels good, we tend to keep doing it. So forget his motivations. Give him an intrinsic goal and watch the dominoes fall. Picking a goal shouldn't be too tough. None of us are completely intrinsically or extrinsically motivated. So everyone has something they value that's intrinsically good. Let's say you value enthusiasm. That's an intrinsic value. There may be times when it's less expected, but it's never bad. If enthusiasm is what you value, then your goal could be to make it more central in your life. You can do this by setting aside 20 to 30 minutes to write out answers to the following questions. Why do I value enthusiasm? What are some past events in which I felt enthusiasm? How does enthusiasm play a role in my day-to-day life? I'm not just making up these questions. This was actually part of a study done that showed the increase in people's well-beings regardless of what their motivation was. You'll want to repeat this exercise. How often you repeat it and how many times you repeat it depends entirely on how enthusiastic you want to be. The intrinsic value you base your goal on need not be an emotional state. Beauty is an intrinsic value. Artistic mastery is an intrinsic value. So maybe you've dabbled in painting and value artistic mastery. You might think it wise to replace the 20 to 30 minute essay writing exercise with time spent practicing your craft. But no, that's not a good idea, actually. If the person you are today is motivated enough to pick up the brush, you'll be doing that already. You aren't because your inner unmotivated employee is slacking off again. So take the time and write down why you value artistic mastery and when in the past you've displayed some sort of mastery, even on a small scale, and how your commitment to artistic mastery is incorporated in your day-to-day life. The effort of finding answers to these questions, often and repeatedly, is going to work on your subconscious. Ideas will start popping into your head at weird times. You may find you're changing how you spend your time, cutting out activities that just don't seem valuable anymore. You may find you're more laid back and relaxed, and you're not even sure why. You may find the more you focus on something intrinsically good, the more resilient you become, the more vitality you have. Vitality is a quality of our thoughts, our feelings, and our behaviors, all of which are guided by our values. Extrinsic values can be a means to an end, like money, or reliant on others, like fame and recognition. Valuing a means to an end means distracted thoughts, subdued feelings, and inefficient behaviors. Valuing recognition means thinking about other people's happiness over your own, anxiety over pleasing people whose minds you can't read, and behaving inauthentically. Neither scenario strikes me as vital existence. But valuing something intrinsically good good even when no one else gives their approval. Something that gets your undivided attention, makes your heart pound in anticipation, has you foregoing sleep or food or social media or any other distraction. Holding that value central in your life creates a life of passion, and that's vital existence. Hey, this is Island Bob Mon speaking on behalf of I see this way. Listen, you are so ugly, man. Put on this sigil of Baphomet. Look at you, no. You're so sexy now, man. Here, give it back. That one is mine, boy. I say give it back, or am I gonna cut you, no, boy? You want your own, then go to iSeedness.com and get your own, man. They got everything you need. They got sterling silver pendants, rings and medallions, too. They got an LED wall plaque for your man that you can customize for your sexy self. Whatever you need, they got that boy. Hear me now, iSatanist.com. And say it with me now, iSatanist.com. The highest embodiment of satanic products, man. Go there now and get sexy.
such a stupid asshole. Hiya, pal. You call me pal? Why, I haven't heard that word for years. You know, bub, I was once a tramp like you. Oh, congratulations. Ah, but it wasn't always thus. I can look back to the days of yore when I was a very happy married man. And one day that rat came and destroyed forever all the happiness I'd ever known. I'll never forget that day. I just came home from the graveyard shift, and there was a note on a pillow. What did it say? Oh, it was one of those cold-blooded notes. Dear Mo, I'm running away with Larry. I was obsessed with the idea that I must find him. The trail led me to Pittsburgh. I found that I'd missed him by three days when I got there, and I swore right there in Pittsburgh I'd find him and have my revenge. Now, on went the chase. Miami, Dallas, New Orleans. And then I came face to face with a rat that had ruined my life. It was in Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls! Slowly I turned, and step by step, inch by inch, I walked up to him and I smashed him. I hit him. I popped him. I smashed him to pieces and I knocked him down. Oh! Oh, take it easy, boy. Take it easy. Excuse me, kid. It's that word Niagara Falls. Every time I hear it, it tears me apart. Don't do me any good either. Ungrateful, that's what it is. How do you like a guy like that? I say hello, pal, sort of friendly, and just because I say Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls! <laughs> Slowly I turn. Please, no. And step by step. Inch by inch. No, please, no. I step no. by my and I knock oh, oh, oh. Oh, Take it easy, pal. Please, take it easy now. Oh, it's that woman. I'll kill her and him. Blood? Yeah! yeah! Rivers of blood! Pools of blood! <laughs> the blood! <laughs> Pardon me, pal. Did you call me pal? Yeah. <laughs> It's been a long time since I heard the word pal. You too? Haven't you got any friends either? That's what I was coming to, the dirty rat. He tried to take her away from me. Ah, but he couldn't get away with it. So he trailed me. To Pittsburgh? Yes. Uh, and then you went to Miami, New Orleans, and Dallas? Yes, yes. <laughs> well, how did you know? You'd be surprised. <laughs> then he caught you in Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls! <laughs> Slowly I turned. Please. Step by step. Not that, no. Don't. Inch by inch. Oh. I picked him up. Oh. I ripped his shirt. And then I knocked him down. Oh. What have I done? Blood. The judge. Blood! You! Ah, oh, there you are, Larry. Why, you... <laughs> I almost caught up with you in Pittsburgh. Go ahead. Tell them where you found them. Forget it. It's past history. Why, you cowards. You're afraid to say Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. <laughs> Slowly I turn. Stallion by steps. Inch by inch. Not too long ago, I was having a conversation on Facebook about the Niagara Falls bit, and I thought that the only people who had ever done it were the Three Stooges, because that's the only people I ever saw do it as a kid, at least as far as I can remember. I was corrected and told that it was a bit that a lot of comedy teams did. Abbott and Costello did it, apparently. I think um, Laurel and Hardy might have done it as well. It was like an old vaudeville bit, and that's what a lot of comedy was people didn't talk about hack comics and stealing other people's bits as much as they do now i really think comics hack other comics material like the the first root goal is that feeling that you want to play a role it's not like i can do it better but more i would love to cover that bit like somebody covers a song Routines used to be like vignettes that anyone could do, just like an actor who would love to play a role. I, for instance, would love 
to play Miss Hannigan from Annie, just like Carol Burnett did in 1982. If I played the role and did it just like Carol Burnett, people would say that it was a genius performance. If I did Carlin's bit about oxymorons like jumbo shrimp and military intelligence, I would be booed off the stage by the audience and shunned by the comedy community. In fact, the very idea of hacking somebody's bit is so demonized that comics are downright neurotic about it. I can't even mention having jumbo shrimp for dinner without feeling a little twinge of it's been done. There are instances of parallel thought where comics come up with almost identical routines where it really comes down to who did it first or who's more famous. Once I saw a most wanted sign in the post office and it was for loitering. That's like so funny to me all by itself. I worked on it in my head for months. I couldn't come up with something aside from just saying, hey, I was in the post office and I saw this most wanted sign for loitering. Ha ha. Isn't that funny? Which, you know, you don't do that on stage. It's stupid. Then Brian Regan did it in his next special. So it's his now. I might be just thinking the best of everybody like, oh, people don't mean to steal but no, when people fucking steal stuff, they mean to steal. There's a difference. There's that moment from inspiration that you feel from seeing a performance and wanting to do that performance as well to I'm going to start doing somebody else's material on stage. That's where the transition is. I and a lot of other comics have even gotten to the point where we don't want to talk about the same ideas on stage. I will never do a joke about Viagra. How many comics have to say, if I had a heart on four hours, I'd call everybody? I don't do anything political because either everybody is talking about whatever the political thing is or it's going to be outdated eventually. And other comics will tell you if you do something that even remotely resembles something another comic has done, especially a famous one, somebody's going to pull you aside after the show and say, hey, so-and-so does this bit. A lot of times, actually, it's a non-comic and some asshole from the crowd like, hey, that bit's just like Chris Rock's. Yeah, I really did have a bit that was like Chris Rock's. It can even come down to just using the same word, like I was saying before about the jumbo shrimp. Last night, I did a show with Evan Weiss, and I say that in my neighborhood, I'm like a mythical creature. And he said that because he's a, uh, a poor Jew... He's like a mythical creature. And I was like, damn it, I say mythical creature in my act. Now I got to drop mythical creature because it's his show and because people heard mythical creature already and it just sounds repetitive. And there's that weird fear that the audience will get bored from repetition because they heard a phrase one other time. I've seen comics do complete bits twice in one act because they do so many shows in a night that they don't remember what they did and didn't do. It's just paranoid to think that way. But I guess when you're standing on a stage and everybody's staring at you, paranoia would be unhealthy not to feel a little bit. This has been another segment of Something Different with Heather Height on Nine Cents. Write to me at heatherheight at yahoo.com. Find me on Facebook and Twitter, Heather Height. Give me your feedback. Give me ideas to talk about if there's something that you want to hear about. Or tell me that I suck or whatever. Just say it nicely to me because I'm all sensitive and shit. Have a great week. Hail Satan. for my sense of humor. Some women are dripping with diamonds. Some women are dripping with pearls. Lucky me, lucky me, look at what I'm dripping with. Oh, girls. Did you ever want to sell your soul to the devil? Have all your wildest dreams become reality? Or just sign in blood on the dotted line? Of course, not everyone can find the crossroads, so let me make it easy for you. Tune in every month to Nine Cents, and I'll bring you Down to the Crossroads. We'll discuss the blues, the devil, and everything in between. Down to the Crossroads with your host, Aaron Casabaugh. Every month, only on NineCentsPodcast.com. Uh, in 
All right, in this Infernal Informant, we're doing a little Trump. We're talking Trump. Have you heard of uh, Donald Trump before, John? I, I Yeah, yeah, I've heard a, a little bit about him. He's the guy he, with the um, raccoon on his head, right? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a fox, but it could be a dyed raccoon. Is it a fox? Um, yeah, he's been in the news a little bit. Just You might have missed it if you weren't turn, tuning in at the right time. But he's been in the, in the news in America slightly uh, since the Republicans decided to go their nominating process. Um, I've got an article here from CNN Politics, Trump on fighting terrorism, what's too far? And this is by Eric Bradner. Again, uh, CNN posted on the 6th of December. Hey, that's, that's today. Washington, Donald Trump says Americans are being too politically correct about Muslims and should drop their fears of profiling. Hmm. Uh, if quote, if they thought there was something wrong with that group and they saw what was happening and they didn't want to call the police because they didn't want to be profiling, I think it's pretty bad. The Republican president, front runner, uh, presidential front runner said Sunday on CBS, face the nation. People are dead. A lot of people are dead right now, Trump said. So everybody wants to be politically correct. And that's part of the problem that we have in our country. But fellow GOP presidential candidate Chris Christie argued the opposite on Sunday. The fact is, quote, we don't need to be profiling in order to be able to get the job done here, he said on CBS Face the Nation. The New Jersey governor suggested a game plan of increased surveillance and creating relationships with mosques in the Muslim American community across the country. We did that after 9-11 and prevented attacks. New Jersey and all across the country, he said. Trump also argued that families of terrorists and suspects should face more scrutiny. He said that the wives of the September 11th attackers knew exactly what was happening. He said he didn't believe the sisters of Syed Rizwan Farouk, who law enforcement officials had identified as one of the shooters in the San Bernardo, California killings last week, had no idea what her brother planned and was saddened. I probably don't believe the sister, Trump said. CBS's anchor John Dickerson asked, so you'd go after her? Quote, I would go after a lot of people and I'd find out what or not they knew. I'd be able to find out because I don't believe the sister, Trump said. Dickerson asked whether Trump worries that he'd gone too far and take actions that inspired more terrorists. What's too far? What's too far? They're killing people, Trump said. Whether it's what we just saw in California or in Paris, they're killing people, innocent people. Trump said he wants vigilance, whether it's mosques or whatever it has to be, repeating his arguments that some mosques should be monitored. Trump also says that he's eager for the end of the President Barack Obama's second term because the problem will get solved when he gets the hell out. So, John, let me ask you, what is too far when trying to combat terrorism? Before I answer that, I want to commend you on the pronunciation of her, the sister of the Syed Rizwan Farouk. I, I think it's it should be illegal to have that many consonants in a row in your name because it just sounds like. <sighs> anyway, um, and again, I, I on one point with uh, with Trump, I agree that political correctness in this country has become fucking hideous. Mm. It's so we're pussified, man. It's real. You can't say something, you know, if you don't like. I'm going to have to censor what you just said, but yeah. 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 Censor that part out. It'd be like, bleep, 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 bleep. (laughs) Um, You know, you should be able to say what you want to say. What's the, it's just words. It doesn't matter. I mean, people are like, my feelings are hurt and you shouldn't be able to say that. And I mean, we're just asking for more laws and the government to step in to tell people what they're allowed to say. And then, and then how far does it go after that? You know, what you're allowed to think. And anyway, that's a whole nother show. But uh, gone too far? No, I don't think so. I really don't think so. So, I, like, I'm, I'm a little confused about how far, how much further we could go. We, as, as a nation, we have bombed more in the uh, Obama administration with drones than any other administration combined of course the technology hasn't been around that long but still the point being uh, obama ramped up dramatically on on the dropping of um bombs on foreign nations in order to combat terrorism Mm -hmm. so we've already gone through the torture uh procedures post 9-11 that didn't according to the people torturing yield any actionable results so how, how much further could we actually go other than targeting innocent people? Like, I, I just don't know exactly what he means. I mean, he's saying that, um, let's say, John, you, uh, you became a fan of ISIS all on your own. You decided to uh, commit a, a murder and you go through with it. 
your brothers, your sisters, your parents, your your wife, your kids have no idea, but Trump would still go after him. So that's what I kind of want to look into. Um, one individual's action, I don't think, is transparent to those around them. Right. Um, and, and I think that's proven through all of the mass shootings that we've had. If the people closest to them really knew that they were about to do what they were going to do, I honestly think they would probably do something to stop them not just say hey well it's fucking tuesday i gotta watch my show so go ahead and kill those people <laughs> i can agree with you but I, I, it's hard to when it's applied to islam um Ooh. there's all these people out there that are saying well islam is a is a religion of peace and i tend to judge religions based upon uh what the practitioners of that religion are doing and they hate anyone that doesn't practice Islam. So it, it's just crazy to me that we are treating them like normal people. Their, their mindset is totally extremist and radical to the point where they're not afraid to die trying to kill you. And just be, you know, this guy, uh, Sayed Rahakamama, when he <laughs> went out there and did whatever he did, um, I, I refuse to believe just like Trump, um, I mean, I don't agree with this guy on a lot of things, but I just don't believe that the sister, you know, had no idea and all this other stuff or whatever. And, they're, and the family's different than he is because they're all raised in the same environment. They're all raised under this religion of Islam. And uh, just for the record, when if you're talking something bad about Muslims or Islam, it's not racist. It's a religion. We should be allowed to question everything and everything. Now, people people have a right to practice this religion. But when a religion uh, forces their followers to kill people, innocent people, I think we need to re reevaluate what we're doing. See, I think that's interesting. There's a lot wrapped up in what you were just saying, because yeah. if Islam is the second most practiced religion with millions and millions of followers <laughs> throughout the world, and that religion teaches death to those who don't solely and the members of it believe that then why aren't there more killings you know what i'm saying like right. I, I i think i think most people who identify with the religion regionally don't really believe everything in that religion they just like the social aspects and some of the hidden messages in it like love or caring or forgiveness or whatever it is that connects with them individually yeah. and i think regionally some people have to say that they believe in a religion or they have to act like you know that religion because if they didn't then regionally they would be you know suffer some real problems like death but i don't think the entire religion um just goes above and beyond to kill and and that's proven by you know having muslim neighbors or living near a mosque and living like if it really was we must take over sharia law hurrah then we would have bombings every single day and they would be attacking in america much more often than the rare random event that happens and so it's hard for me to be able to think that uh Sim simply because you have a, a relationship with the person that you know their mind and simply because you share a religion that you know their mind like i can i can say quite clearly i don't know what any other satanist would do in any given situation because mm. we are so dramatically different and to think that every mormon or christian or catholic or muslim is different simply because again you said that they weren't a, a, a um ethnicity they're a religion that means religions you can just leave in America. You know, I mean, there's some countries where you would be killed if you left. So again, regionally dependent. But I just don't see them as uh, as as threats like in America, like uh, like Trump does, or, or well, like you were saying. Think of this: um, you use the word attack and you use the word threat. Now, those things uh, on their own can be thought of in in many different ways. An attack can be one of these uh, retards uh, strapping a bomb to himself, walking into a movie theater, blowing it up. Um, that's an attack. Another attack can be a group of them uh, demanding a spot for the students at a college to uh, pray. 
You know what I mean? Another attack can be uh, like in Michigan or wherever somewhere they were they were trying to push for Sharia law and not not abiding by our constitution. And they're yet they're living in this country. Um, these can all can be these all can be construed as attacks because they are in, in essence. So there might not be uh, some of them that are strapping bombs to themselves, but they're attacking on another front. They're doing something to, against other people or this country or the citizens of this country in all these other ways. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time looking at the attack argument as mm-hmm. serious when Christians have already attached their God to our currency and to our mm-hmm. um, our Pledge of Allegiance and into our uh, lifestyles. They've already attacked us non-physically and done quite a good job at assaulting our nation as Americans. But but part of what makes America great is that <clears throat> we <clears throat> excuse me, we accept and we we champion that type of attack, that challenge of yeah. uh, uh, challenge of law and challenge of rights. Because that's what makes, in my opinion, that's what makes America America is that <clears throat> we can collectively stand up and say you want Sharia law? Well, you can't have it, and this is why. We have a constitution, we have an establishment of law that's been, that has a history of uh, modern success, but success that we all accept and agree upon nonetheless. Um, and so we're not gonna change now. You want to have a, a right to pray in your area? Well, that's fine. There's certain places that are off limits, and here's why. You know, so we we have a system that that allows people to to challenge and then be served and answered depending on the laws that the challenge is, is facing. And so I I really don't have that. I don't have a problem with that at all. I I have mm-hmm. as much a problem with Muslims demanding Sharia law than I do um, pseudos demanding a public statue. Like it's <laughs> as offensive to me. So it, you yeah. know. I, I rest in the knowledge that, well, we have a system in place that can quickly resolve these issues without having to worry about, you know, st- you know stupid uh, Muslim prayers before every, uh, every ball game or, you know, killing your sister because she was raped. I, I don't worry about <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yet, I don't know. It's, it, it, is a, it is a tough thing because what wouldn't you do in order to... It, especially if it's a personal, you know, like a, a loved one, if they were going to be hurt by terror, what wouldn't you do in order to stop that? Like anything. Of course you would do of anything. Course, of course. But yeah. on a societal level, we have to respect what makes us American, and that's individual freedoms, and that's a right to privacy. It, I, I don't even know if we have it anymore, but it, it was at one time an idea, right? <laughs> yeah, you do, in your own home. It's weird. That's about I, it. <laughs> Because I, I do like to think that, because it, and I always, I always like look at myself whenever I, I make these sort of analogies, because at any time, Satanists could be pointed at and said that they are anti-anything. They are, you know, they kill babies or, or they, you know, they <laughs> abuse people. And we have had that. And so I have to look and, and I have a little bit of, little bit of sympathy for others who are going through the same thing going well maybe maybe what the culture is saying about this small group isn't always true because we've lived that lie we know that it's not always true and if it's not always true somewhere there's a third side perspective that we can sort of latch on to and and look at the problem through that lens rather than jumping on the bandwagon of, of any politician, no matter who they are. You know, we and it goes both ways. We have Democrats who refuse to say radical Islam, and which is exactly what it is. Like, they're using Islam as justification for their kiddlings. They are radicals in Islam. That's what they are. Why the fuck won't you acknowledge that? And then we have people like Trump going on the opposite end saying we should we should do anything we need to do in order to stop it even the innocent people around the people who did it we should be you know questioning them and interrogating them and and torturing them for for answers that may they may or may not have regardless of a history of uh american handling of the thing we just have to react with our cocks and i just don't entirely (laughs) think maybe it's because mine's sensitive (laughs) i don't think we should always react with our cocks i don't know yeah But think about this. If let's say um, 
you know, a, a Muslim um, did Muslim. something, a Muslim, um, he did something and um, it ended up hurting your one of your children, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, which um, one? Because I like one other, more than the other. The one that you don't like. No, the one you do oh. like. <laughs> Wait. Oh, okay. Either okay. one. <laughs> what would you do um, after that happened? Would you just accept it and move on? Or would you do what most people would do and just go crazy trying to find the person that did something to, to your child and, 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 and scoured the earth to find him and bring him to justice? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely would. But there is. So what's. You know, what, there's what, usually like the other side of that where they're either killed in the act or they're, you know, taken by the authorities or, you know, it, it's rare that they ever like truly get away like serial killer, like just disappear. OK, let me let me uh, rephrase it then. It, let's say someone who's a part of a group of people does mm-hmm. something to hurt someone personal to you and your family. And maybe that person that did it. Um, was caught, like you said, or died in the act or whatever. But there's other people in the group that plan on attacking you again and hurting possibly your wife or yourself. Um, what would yeah, you no, I, I definitely understand what you're saying, and, and yeah. I would. But but I would use, like, honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm a graphic designer, so there's not a whole lot I could do. But if I had the, <laughs> the capacity, um, I, I, you know, I, I would go to the extent of the law. The for me, and, and this is, again, this is just a line that I personally draw for whatever reason, um, I I would not break the established laws of the country that I am a member of mm-hmm. in order to accomplish any task. And I am lucky because I live in America where laws are really pliable. <laughs> you can yeah. bend them in many, many different ways. Yeah. Um, Especially if it's self-defense. To- yeah. yeah, yeah, and depending again, regionally dependent. And being, um, a, being a graphic designer, you know, you can always just keep drawing like caricatures of Muhammad. That'll get them. Yeah, I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> that really chaps their hide too. Of all things, <laughs> say what you want about me. You draw a picture, I kill you. <laughs> so, what my point about asking that before was, if if a, if a father of a family. Um, Want, you know, should be doing these sort of things to protect him, uh, his family and, and maybe possibly prevent preemptive attacks uh, in the future. What's the difference that from like our country's leader from doing that for us as his, I guess, I wouldn't say children, but you know what I mean? The citizens of his country that he's right. uh, sort of responsible for when it comes to foreign relations or, or, or attacks on, on us and things like that. What's the difference? Well, yeah, the only difference is that we we live in a society that is sort of, you know, born and bred on the idea that you're innocent until proven guilty. And so until you have proof of guilt, you're an innocent, upstanding citizen. And that means and and this is part of, you know, you can you can extrapolate to this to the gun issue too or any gun issue in our country. Yeah. Um we are innocent until proven guilty, which means that there's going to be situations that you don't foresee and there's going to be consequences of living in a, in a society where you cannot preemptively incarcerate people for things that they have not yet done. But if they're we, citizens yeah, but we're citizens and we have a right to live as free as our country allows us. And that means that we have the right to own guns, even if we're emotionally unstable, that we have the right to uh, believe in any religion and be as fanatic as we want up until the point that it actually crosses over to action against other people. So right. that's part of the consequence of being an American is understanding that these things are going to happen and but we collectively have to accept it if we enjoy the freedoms that we have. Otherwise, we're going to live in a much more – and I know there's a lot of people who now are going to call me stupid because they already see us live in a, a massive police state. And there can be arguments for that. But I think we're still living in a pretty free environment. And I personally don't want that to be trampled any more than it already is. Right. And so it's hard for me to to agree with with you know, just the tamping down of those freedoms in the name of freedom, when that means that you can extrapolate to anything, extrapolate it to anything. So, you know, it's an interesting discussion. 
Um, and That's I definitely, yeah. I'm glad that you had on because I, I didn't know your take. And so it's, it's nice that we can have um, slightly different views on the mm-hmm. discussion in order to have a little bit of a back and forth, which I think is fantastic. Awesome. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's close this out with a little bit of Between the Horns. Satanism demands study, not worship, and I'm looking for a few outstanding study partners. So put on your thinking horns with me, Warlock M.A. Mandrake. It's time to read Between the Horns. The title of this number is Say Your Prayers, a satanic parody of the 23rd Psalm. Hi there. This has been a very difficult month for me, so I'll have to keep this brief. I'd like to share with you a parody of the 23rd Psalm from the so-called Holy Bible. But first, a little background. From the first grade until the eighth, I attended a series of private schools run by Christians. Two were Catholic, and one was Seventh-day Adventist. One was simply a Montessori academy in which my ambidexterity was corrected for reasons I now recognize as superstitious. After all, the left hand is sinister, that word being the Latin for the left-hand side. In the three overtly religious schools, I learned to recite many prayers, psalms, and so forth. Nowadays, I find great pleasure in rewriting one every now and then. When I do, I create syllable-by-syllable parodies, replacing the original theology with satanic principles. So, here's my satanized 23rd Psalm. I am my own master, I shall not want. I roam and rest and rise and revel freely. I ride whirlwinds over roaring waters. I fulfilleth my will. I lead myself in the paths of righteous might for my own sake. Yea, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, beyond good and evil, the beast within me, my brain and my force, they strengthen me. I prepareth myself that I may be quick to ruinate mine enemies. I indulgeth my mind and flesh, my joys are abundant. Ample power and increase shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will live through my ego fulfilled forever. Now that's the kind of thinking that helps me get through the bad times. It can be helpful to remind ourselves of our inner strength when the going gets tough. After all, perspective is a satanic virtue. Until next time, happy hell-a-days. Hail Satan. And that, people, is going to do it for yet another show. I hope you enjoyed it, and I would love to hear from you. Visit the website 9centspodcast.com and send your correspondence to info at 9centspodcast.com. Let us know of any suggestions, critiques, corrections, or general comments you might have. John, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm, like, done with my glass of wine, and I want another one. (laughs) (laughs) I might have to drunk dial your podcast. (laughs) You're you're always welcome to. It'll be better next. It'll be much better than last time. I have to say that. Last time was really embarrassing. I'm I'm really happy you're being a great sport about it, though. It's awesome. (laughs) Again, you'll hear from my lawyer. Um, <laughs> and for you, the listener, you can visit us on social media. Of course, Satan at Facebook, Google Plus, Twitter, MySpace, and get updated on weekly topics, contests, or other people's podcasts that I think are worthwhile, like the Devil You Know podcast. Yep. Download the show Mondays via the RSS feed found at 9centspodcast.com. We're also on Last.fm, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, however you get us. Hook us up with a comment. Hook us up with a rating. It just helps us rise to the top. Yes. And remember, if you want to learn anything more about Satanism, Church of Satan. Dot com is the place to go. Once again, thank you for joining me. As always, I'm your host, Adam Campbell. This week being joined by... John Shaw. The amazing John Shaw of I, Satanist, <laughs> and the Devil You Know podcast. Until next week, people, hail Satan! Hail Satan!